Welcome to Kripalu Perspectives, enlightening interviews with leading teachers, authors, and thinkers associated with Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, located in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. I'm Portland Helmick, your host, and today I'm talking to Sarah Jean Rudman, a 500-hour Kripalu-trained yoga teacher, an Ayurvedic practitioner, a certified personal trainer and group exercise instructor, and a certified health and wellness coach. Sarah Jean is an avid outdoor enthusiast, the founder of the wellness brand Bala Strong, and co-founder of the Run Yogi Run podcast. She teaches on the faculty at Kropalu and travels the country leading immersions that fuse her love of yoga with nature. Thanks so much for being here, Sarah Jean. Thank you so much for having me. So when I was sitting down to prepare for this podcast, Sarah Jean, I was thinking I envy people like you so much because your work has you outdoors and I am so often inside. And I think that a lot of us don't get outside that much Monday to Friday, but to walk from our homes to a car or a train that takes us to an office and back again. And I'm guessing, you tell me if this is true, that for someone like you, being outdoors is more than just a pleasant or an enjoyable experience, but it probably is something that you believe is good for overall health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that being outside is a non-negotiable in my life. And I encourage my clients and students to start to look at it the same way. I almost look at nature as another macronutrient. You know, you have protein, fat, carbs, and outside time. And it's all just as important. Anthropologically speaking, our ancestors spent the majority of their time outside, exposed to blue and white light during the day. And then as the sun went down, they started to have their own internal sunset being exposed to maybe a fire, so the orange light. This inherently will reset our circadian rhythms and keep us harmonizing the melody of nature. And I think so often when we do work on Monday to Friday in an office and then maybe we get in our car and then drive home and sit in our homes, we can see this rhythm get really disrupted and cause health problems over time. Now, you offer workshops that fuse yoga with outdoor activities like running and hiking and snowshoeing. And when I think of yoga, I think of a slower moving kind of internal practice while running and hiking and snowshoeing are aerobic activities. They're faster moving. So how do you fuse the two? Well, in my opinion, yoga is actually everywhere. So whether I am doing something that is an outwardly aerobic experience or I am sitting on my cushion and breathing and focusing and anchoring to the breath, it's all connectivity. It's all witnessing. And so fusing the two is really great for me and really great for me to expose people to. It's like when we go outside into nature and we're walking and we're breathing, we get to use that sensory exposure of walking, of breathing, of maybe noticing the heartbeat in our chest or noticing the sweat on our body as yoga. Yoga is not restricted to just the mat, but instead it's about connecting to yourself, connecting to the thing that's greater than you, that motivates you, the purpose, and we can bring that all together. For me, I am always doing yoga. I'm always observing myself in that situation. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you are out on a run and you stop and do a warrior pose. (laughs) No, but that is fun too, a little stop, drop, and yoga here and there. Right. So the yoga of running is more about being present. It's about the mindfulness that you bring to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that running meditation is actually something that you do that fuses the two. Can you talk about how that works? Yeah. So when I teach running meditation, I use a lot of different anchors, as I would call them, to 
get people to focus in and to be present for themselves, like you so eloquently said just a moment ago. One of them will be, we'll go out for a jog and I will have my students focus on their footfalls by counting them. So when we're not present, we're either leaning backward or reaching forward, right? We're worrying about the past or we're thinking about the future. And when we're simply counting, our brain can only hold that one thought of numbers. So we're no longer distracted. It forces us to be present. Another way that I'll teach running meditation is by focusing on the cadence of your breath. So you can inhale and think the word inhale and exhale and think the word exhale and observe maybe how that gets faster as you run and maybe how it gets slower as you cool down. Also, I'll have people use the sense of sight as they run as well. And this also aids in safety, especially if you live in a city or if you're running alone or if you're trail running where there are roots shooting up. And so maybe you'll use the sense of sight and search for all the different colors and just name them as you're running. So that's one way to maintain presence as you run. And how does that feel? What's the difference between running and meditating, let's say, and sitting in meditation? What's the experience of running meditation? Some people connect more to a moving experience than a sitting experience for meditation. So Ayurvedically speaking, there are the three doshas. We have vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is ether, an air element. Pitta is water and fire element. And kapha is earth and water element combined. Okay, so people who are inclined to be more of the ether and air people, the vata style people, they actually, when they sit down, instead of finding peace in the seated meditation, they'll be like a pressure cooker. Those mobile energies will just build up and build up and build up and actually cause more stress and anxiety than a breathing meditation would. So somebody who's more inclined to balance out with moving, a running meditation can create a rhythmic experience. And in that rhythmic experience, we start to really just settle into ourselves. So you're saying essentially that yoga can complement aerobic outdoor activities like running and hiking by making them more mindful so that you're more present and that the experience is more joyful. But I wonder, is there a way that something like running could actually complement a yoga practice? Yeah. So Asana or the poses of yoga are just one part of yoga. So you can take the yoga everywhere and look at running. So when you're running, you're in running pose. So you're doing yoga the whole time, right? Yeah, I think that maybe if you're somebody who's more inclined to a stable, slow-moving, restorative, on-your-mat style of practice, and you decide to shake things up a bit, which is a great way to feel alive, of course, to try something new, and to go out and go for a jog and see if you can take your yoga tools with you, it can be experienced as another pose. So how did you come to get interested, Sarah Jean, in this fusion of yoga and outdoor activities, nature? So it comes from a place of personal immersion. When I was very young, so back in 2001, my mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor and I had to leave school and come home and be with her. And she's fine now, thank goodness. But during that time, I was already teaching aerobics. I've been teaching aerobics since I was a teenager. It's just sort of something I love. And I found myself in this state of sadness and of tumult and confusion in my very young you know, teenage life drawn to nature. 
and I was just going outside and hiking, sometimes three mountains a day, bringing my dog with me. And slowly that parlayed into running. So then I started running in nature and really experiencing nature. And after a few years of being an avid hiker and spending time on the Appalachian Trail, I fell into yoga at another state of tumult in my life. I was going through an emotional breakup and came to a gentle yoga class and went into Shavasana. And I said, oh my gosh, this is yoga. This is what it means. And I found myself in a pool of tears. And slowly the two started to just merge for me where I would be using the tools that I was finding in yoga. And I will back up and say six weeks after that yoga class, I signed up for my yoga teacher training at Kripalu and I never looked back. It changed my life. And so using the tools that I found at Kripalu along with the tools I didn't know that I had found in nature and in running, I just started to bring them all together, step outside and notice my breath, leave my headphones at home and be present. We can lean backward or we can reach forward, but all we really have is right now. And taking that onto the trail was not only freeing, but healing in every, every, every single cell of my body. One thing that you do when you run or hike, I know, is express gratitude. Can you talk about how you do that and what it does for you? Sure. This is so interesting. I had an experience of this in my car this morning, even of gratitude. And I found I was sitting in a lot of traffic and I was sort of turning into, you know, the yoga curmudgeon. Ogre, why am I in traffic? And instead of being the ogre person, I started to soften my face, soften the base of my occipital lobes, and list things that I was grateful for. And I felt this chemical bliss in my body. I felt a lifting experience in my body. I'll take the gratitude practice out on the trail as well by maybe listing things that I'm grateful for as I'm running, especially if my mind starts to wander. It can become a really great anchor. I can jog and say, oh, I'm grateful for whatever, trees or the breeze or my ability to run or my blue toenail polish or whatever comes to mind. <laughs> and there is this lightning effect. There's this really beautiful thing that happens in the in the spirit and also in the physical, emotional, and psychological body, in my opinion. So I want to switch gears for a second here now, Sarah Jean, because yoga isn't the only tool in your toolbox. I mentioned when I introduced you that you're an Ayurvedic practitioner and a health and wellness coach, and I'm guessing that being outdoors as much as you are, you're probably really sensitive to the change in seasons. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how runners and hikers, but really all of us, can best help our bodies transition healthfully from one season to another? Yeah, absolutely. One of the major tenets of Ayurveda is like increases like. And the other one is to treat with opposites. So for example, the qualities of winter are cold, dry, rough, mobile, and light. So we would treat with opposites to balance heavy, warm, slow, right? So the first thing I would suggest is to pay attention, to notice the qualities of the season coming in and to balance with opposites. So the winter time is not the time to be eating raw salads and pineapple smoothies and wearing tank tops outside. It's the time to be snuggled up and to be doing more slow practices to make sure that we're balancing the qualities of nature. Also, at the joint of each season, I invite people to do maybe a three or four day, not a cleanse, but almost just eating really simply, moving really simply, doing a media fast, resetting the body, and then bringing in the new daily routines. 
always waking up with the sun, going to bed with the sun, which will shift with the season is another really great way to balance and tune into the seasons. And I'll say one more thing on that. Getting outside Physically, getting outside during every season is important. Even when it's freezing cold out, getting your body outside, smelling the air, letting your cells feel what's happening outside helps keep you in tune to it. Go for a walk after each meal in nature, even if it's just a couple of minutes if the weather is arduous, but just checking in and seeing what's happening outside I think is a great recommendation. Well, those are already some really great tips. I'm wondering as we're closing here, if you could give me maybe three more tips for living a mindfully fit life, not just a fit life, not just a mindful life, but a mindfully fit life. Great question, Portland. Thank you for asking. The first tip I would give would be to begin your day with a mindfulness practice, harvesting awareness by asking yourself how you feel and what you need, deep breathing, and really listening to the answers that come to you, setting yourself up for a great day now that you know exactly what you need and you're willing to give yourself that thing. The second thing that I would suggest is to get outside every single day. Even if the weather is bad, step outside, breathe the air, do this one, two, three times a day, and expose yourself to nature. It helps you remember where you are in the world and the universe and in the time of year. And the third thing I would suggest to live a mindfully fit life is to do the things that bring you joy. Maybe that's hiking, maybe it's a ballet bar class, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's a dance party in your living room, but do the things that bring you joy and fitness together because those are the things that you will keep doing for the rest of your life. I want to thank you so much for talking with me, Sarah Jean. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Portland. If you'd like more information about Sarah Jean Rudman's work or workshops, you can go to balastrong.com. That's B-A-L-A-S-T-R-O-N-G.com. I'm Portland Helmick. Thank you for listening to Kropalu Perspectives. Kropalu Perspectives is a production of Kropalu Center for Yoga and Health, the nation's leading retreat center for yoga and holistic living, offering workshops, trainings, and retreats in Western Massachusetts. Visit us online at kropalu.org. That's K-R-I-P-A-L-U.org.